0: Hello, and welcome to Two Creepy Bees, a podcast where two sisters obsessed with the macabre talk spirits, urban legends, aliens, and the occult. Essentially anything that tingles your spines and bumps your gooses. I'm Bethany.
1: And I'm Bailey.
0: We're your two creepy co-hosts. Creepy. Thanks, Percy. Thanks for the <laughs> lovely introduction.
1: That's my cat, Percy. <laughs>
0: He's a diggity dick. (laughs) Jesus Christ. He's (laughs) helping. (laughs) Thanks so much, Percy. That's Percy. I lock my cats out of the room because I'm a professional.
1: I'm sorry. I don't have an office door.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. Uh, I'm literally recording in my studio, uh, which is a closet. So that tells you where I'm at.
1: At least you have a door.
0: It's true, it has a door. (laughs) and that's all that matters. But anyway, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing okay, feeling pretty creepy. How about you?
0: Yeah, feeling pretty creepy, pretty creepy, but I just feel like I generally have a <laughs> have a creepy disposition. Percy um. agrees. <laughs> <laughs> Did you do anything to get creepy for this episode?
1: Well, I decorated my house for Halloween.
0: Oh shit. Not even October 1st and you're already bringing out the decorations.
1: Heck yeah. It's never too early.
0: Wanna to know what I did?
1: What what did you
0: do? I <laughs> get that. Ho out of here.
1: Please excuse him, he's naughty.
0: <laughs> he's naughty. Um, but I I bought <laughs> Jesus, I, please. <laughs> I'm
1: trying to get him out of here.
0: <laughs> I bought um those they're not candy corns, but they're the candy pumpkins. Those mallow oh.
1: pumpkins. Wait, so they're they taste like candy corn, but they're shaped like pumpkins?
0: Yeah, you've never you've mm. never seen them?
1: No, I have. I'm just yeah, cl- yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. just making sure that's what you're talking about.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they're like they say they're like marshmallow creme. I'm like, this is not.
1: It's candy corn, you fools. We ain't stupid.
0: Don't lie know us. <laughs> <laughs> but but that's about it. Um. This is take two of our original recording, because somebody not going to name any names. (coughs) Technology. Surprise. (laughs) It's me. I suck. (laughs) It's okay, though, because here we are. Last week, when we recorded, I had prepared by making a very famous cocktail. This cocktail has to do with our first episode. You want to take a guess?
1: Um, I'm mean,
0: Well, I mean, you already know.
1: But. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do know.
0: Why don't you just why don't you just tell tell the audience?
1: Everyone, it was a Bloody Mary.
0: That's right, a bloody, goddamn Mary. <laughs> <laughs> We're really killing it this first episode. Um, yeah, so our first episode is on Bloody Mary. A uh, parlor game, if you wish, played by children alike at sleepovers all around the world. Maybe not the world, all across America. Not sure, but uh, we definitely played this as children. And I don't know if we should insert our own personal anecdote or if we should just get into the good bits. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure our personal anecdote's that good. It essentially ended with our dad scaring us. As we ran out of the bathroom.
0: Maybe it's not that exciting. But you claimed to have seen our friend who we played Bloody Mary with see her face transform. So, I don't know. Well, I mean,
1: I guess it does kind of pertain to part of what we talk about in this episode. But, yeah. I I mean, it was so long ago. But I, I do remember seeing, like, her face get disfigured and bloody oh, in bloody you know man. i just i just knew that bloody mary was coming so i had to get out of the bathroom get the fuck out yeah i just knew
0: it well or it could have just been up us like hopped up on pixie sticks and fun dip
1: <laughs> pixie sticks a- try fruit gushers mmm pixie fruit, sticks
0: fruit gushers sound really good I'm, oh
1: my god really <laughs>
0: stop gushers for life. okay so let's get right into this good stuff. I'm gonna kind of break down the the general rules in how to play Bloody, Bloody Mary. Then we're kind of go gonna go into the inspirations behind Bloody Mary, and maybe some explanation of visual phenomena and psychology. So yeah, it's gonna be pretty exciting. Thought this would be a good first episode because I don't know a lot of people that haven't heard of or played Bloody Mary. Right. Again. Uh, Just a quick synopsis of the rules. So, typically, this ritual, if you will, is done by candle light or in a very dimly lit room, uh, such as a bathroom. That is where I know we played it, and that's typically where I have heard of it being played. But you go into that room, close the door, you turn down the lights, and you repeat Bloody Mary's name anywhere from three To as many as 13 times while looking into a mirror the amount of times depends on the variation of the legend but a minimum is three i've heard so sometimes the ritual involves chanting simply bloody mary whereas other versions involve chanting i believe in bloody mary or even i killed your baby bloody mary which we'll get into why that variation is sometimes used but uh bloody mary herself can appear as a corpse a witch or a spirit. Sometimes she is covered in blood. So a little carry at prom action going on. Participants may endure the spirit cursing them, Ooh. strangling them, yeah, stealing their souls. My personal favorite, drinking their blood, <laughs> or scratching their eyes out.
1: That's what I remember. I, re- I remember the scratching your eyes out. That's the the version that I grew up. With
0: <laughs> Oh, okay. I, th- I thought you were saying that you remembered our friend getting her eyes oh, scratched. Yes. I was like, uh... Casual.
1: <laughs> I casually remember <laughs> I,
0: that. Uh, I say like, I feel like I would have remembered this, Maybe not. <laughs> but anyway, so, um, we were doing some research, and we kind of discovered that a lot of historians don't really know how far back the Bloody Mary, the modern-day version of Bloody Mary dates back to, but we do know there was kind of this precursor to this modern-day ritual that was at least uh, practiced in the Victorian era. So in the Victorian and the Ewardian era, there was a divination parlor game that was used to predict who the participant was to marry. So the ritual involved a young woman walking up a flight of steps backwards, holding a candle and, and a hand mirror in a darkened house. So... Safe. Super safe. Yeah. As they looked into the mirror, they were supposed to be able to catch a glimpse of their future husband's face. So if they saw a skull or the face of the Grim Reaper, it supposedly indicated that they would die before they were able to marry. So not good. So this ritual is depicted on many Halloween greeting cards or Halloween cartoons from the early 20th century. And some of those examples we will have on our website why don't you tell our listeners what that website is?
1: Check it. Check it out. It is twocreepybs dot com, and that is twocreepybs.com.
0: creepy BS.com. Yes, because domain names don't like apostrophes. Yeah, apparently. Hmm. But they'll have some dope ass examples of these greeting cards, and they're pretty neat. So please take a look. Thank you. Oh Jesus! <laughs> I think that you'll enjoy Percy. approved. Yeah. Uh, Approved. (laughs) So I guess now we're gonna kinda transition into some of the inspirations for Bloody Mary. So Bloody Mary is believed to have been one of these fallen women that we will discuss, all of whom might have a good reason to come back from the afterlife to wreak havoc among the living. They are definitely some notorious women Why don't you introduce our first bloody woman?
1: Pause for a second. I need to try to get Percy out of here. He's just being a dick.
0: Let's introduce our first bloody woman.
1: All right. So the first bloody woman we're going to talk about is Queen Mary. And this is Queen Mary Tudor. So Mary Tudor was the first and only child of King Henry VIII and her mother, Catherine of Aragon. Mary was very, very Catholic, just like her mother, Um, also very well educated. So essentially what happened, what most people know, is that Henry divorced Catherine after they never had a male heir. So he divorced her to marry his mistress, Anne Boleyn, um, and in doing so, he had to break away from the Catholic Church. So after he broke away, he created the Church of England and made himself the head of the Church. So obviously, this created a huge rift in the country between Protestants and Catholics. So Mary was about 17 when Henry divorced her mother, and he forbid her from ever seeing her again. Apparently, Mary was known to suffer through horrible menstrual pains and irregular cycles and deep periods of depression, which unfortunately plagued her for the rest of her life. So after Anne Boleyn gave birth to Elizabeth, who would go on to be Queen Elizabeth I, Anne feared that Mary would pose a challenge to the succession of the throne. And Anne and Henry pressed an act for Parliament to declare Mary illegitimate. So that placed Elizabeth to be next in line for the throne while um, Mary was forced outside of the succession to the throne. And actually, they made her become a lady in waiting for Elizabeth. So that's pretty cold. So fast forward many years and quite a few stepmothers later. And this was after Mary's half-brother, King Edward, had died. Mary did eventually become the Queen of England at 37. She married the Catholic Philip of Spain in hopes to produce an heir and restore England as a Catholic nation. Two months after that, Mary was a child, or so she thought. So obviously the public was very anxious in awaiting the arrival of her first child. So when Mary was confined six weeks before her expected due date, um, which was uh, standard practice at the time, then baby eventually never arrived. Some historians believe that Mary suffered from pseudocyesis, which is when the body tricks itself into thinking it's pregnant. Others believed she suffered from endometrial hyperplasia. Which is a benign condition, but it's when the womb lining becomes thicker and it does increase your chances of developing uterine cancer. So, Mary believed that God was punishing her for not completing her mission to unite England under the Catholic Church, especially because this was a time of huge division between Protestants and Catholics. So, Mary during this time sent hundreds of Protestants to burn at the stake under an act known as the Marian Persecutions. This is where she earned her nickname, Bloody Mary. So in her lifetime, she was actually known as Bloody Mary. So there is one account of these Bloody Crusades that's especially horrifying. So anyone who's a little sensitive may want to skip past this. So the account goes that a woman named Puritene Massey and two other women were on trial for theft. They were found not guilty of the charge, but emerged that their religious views were the contrary to those required by church authorities. So they were not Catholic. They were practicing Protestants. They were condemned as heretics and sentenced to death. All three were burned on the same fire. They were supposed to have been strangled beforehand, but apparently the rope broke before they died, and they were thrown into the fire alive. It was documented that peritone was great with child, and that, quote, the belly of the woman burst asunder the vehemence of the flame, and the infant, being a fair man-child, fell into the fire. The baby was rescued and laid on the grass, and it was ordered that it should be, quote, carried back again and cast into the fire. These three women are known today as the Jernsey Martyrs. So, a second time Mary claimed that she was pregnant, however even her husband was unconvinced. It was later confirmed she had gone into menopause. Mary eventually died at the age of 42. It's believed her cause of death was by uterine or ovarian cancer. Mary died childless. Despite all of the executions, she did fail in her mission in uniting the country under the Catholic Church. Her Protestant half-sister Elizabeth I took the throne and then thrusted England into a golden age. Due to her bloody religious crusade and her inability to produce an heir, many feel she is a worthy inspiration behind Bloody Mary. So, you can actually see Mary Tudor within the variation of Bloody Mary, uh, the ritual where the participant chants, I killed your baby, Bloody Mary.
0: Yeah. Damn. That's a rough life.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
0: like, she lived to 42, and that was, like, during the 1600s. That's, like, isn't that pretty old? Not old, but that's a pretty long life for back then, wasn't it? Or maybe, I don't know.
1: Um... I don't know, because Elizabeth I, I think she died, I think she was like 80 when she died.
0: Damn, that's super long for the time. Uh, Well, that's sad.
1: I'm just just kidding. I I confirmed that via the internet, and she was 69.
0: Oh, well still, that's a decent age for back in the day. I mean, she definitely had a sad life, but she definitely did some messed up stuff too. I think she is a worthy worthy uh what am I
1: looking for? A uh, candidate cam- <laughs> <She>, inspiration.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's the word I'm looking for. She is a worthy candidate for uh the inspiration behind the Bloody Mary legend. So, our next notorious bloody woman is a lady named Mary Worth. Some of you may or may not have heard about Mary Worth. I hadn't but before this. Yeah, me either. Me either. (laughs) But according to local legend, she lived on Old Wagon Road in Chicago during the time of the Civil War. So it was believed that she was a witch and would kidnap children, runaways, and escaped slaves to use in rituals or uh, to use for harvesting body parts for spells. The townspeople eventually took matters into their own hands, getting pretty fed up with all the disappearances, and burned worth at the stake. It is said that she was buried on her farm as the farm's future owners would eventually find out. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so it's disputed whether or not the farmer and his wife who brought who bought the property decades later knew the farm's history or not, but regardless, they built their new home right where the barn used to stand. And that's where she did all of her rituals and spells. So then they decided to clear the land in order to grow oats. So while digging up the ground, the farmer came across a rather large stone and decided to make it his front doorstep. Sorry if you can hear the trains running by. I live very close to train (laughs) tracks. So it is believed that this stone was used to mark Mary Worth's graves gravesite because soon they began experiencing some poltergeist-like activity. Some versions of this story say that the couple's young daughter saw an apparition in their mirror, while others say that the wife was repeatedly locked in their house and or barn and that plates would sometimes come crashing down from their cupboards in the kitchen. So the farmer, believing he done fucked up, and and that he disturbed the resting place of Worth, tried to return the stone to its original place in hopes of stopping the paranormal activity. However, he was never able to find the exact spot where he had taken it from. Eventually, the house burned down, perhaps in 1986 and supposedly due to arson. Apparently, a property developer after that attempted to build houses, but the closest ones to Worth's former barn actually burnt down in some versions of the game bloody mary you are supposed to chant i believe in mary worth in order to summon the witch's spirit who will then attempt to rip out your eyes or scratch your face well
1: so, in case you want I your eyes see, scratched though, you
0: know. yeah yeah in case you're feeling <laughs> kind of frisky but you can see in the legend where she could have been the inspiration behind bloody mary especially if the version is true where the daughter saw her in the mirror. I think she's a pretty good candidate, too. But we do have one final bloody woman. Why don't you tell us about her, Bay?
1: I will. All right. So, Elizabeth Bowdery is known as the infamous blood countess. She is often referred to as one of the original vampires due to her insatiable bloodlust. She was a Hungarian countess who reportedly tortured and murdered hundreds of young women within the 16th and 17th centuries. So Báthory was born into prominent Protestant nobility in Hungary. Her family controlled Transylvania and her uncle Stephen Báthory was king of Poland. So Báthory began by abducting peasant girls to torture and kill. Typically luring them into her castle with the promise of work, Bowdery's torture included jamming pins and needles under the fingernails of her servant girls, tying them down, smearing them with honey, and leaving them to be attacked by bees and ants. Bowdery reportedly believed that human blood would keep her looking young and healthy. Uh. Eventually, Elizabeth's bloodlust required her to go from luring peasants to luring young girls from high-society families. This would eventually become her downfall. Her cousin, Jurt Thurzo, Count Palatine of Hungary, was ordered by the King of Hungary to investigate. Thurzo determined, after taking dispositions from people living in the area surrounding her estate, that Bowdery had reportedly tortured and killed more than 600 girls with the assistance of her servants. There is some debate and speculation about Thurzo's motives for condemning Boutry. Apparently after Elizabeth's husband had died away at war, he had actually entrusted his heirs and widow to Thurzo. But I think we could go more into that. I think we could probably do a whole episode on Elizabeth Boutry. So we won't get all into that today. So... On December 30th, 1609, Bowdery and her servants were arrested. The servants were put on trial in 1611, and three of them were executed. Bowdery was never tried for her crimes, but she was permanently confined to a chamber with no doors or windows, only a small opening for ventilation and an opening for food. She remained there until she died at the age of 54, People believe she is behind Bloody Mary as a way of continuing to get young girls' blood to maintain her beauty, even in the
0: afterlife. Hot damn. Ugh. Oh. It's crazy how it took so long to catch wind that she was just murdering hundreds of girls, if this is true.
1: Like, Jesus. Well, I, I mean, it, I think it went on for quite some time. <sighs> I mean, you're right, you're right, but...
0: That took way too long. They're like, huh, you know, it seems like over half of our village's population has just disappeared. Where'd all the young ladies go? I don't know. Like, you'd think you would notice when that many people go missing, but yeah, I guess you're right that it occurred over several years, but still. Well,
1: apparently... She was kind of, she was into this sort of thing when her husband was alive, but oh. he he was away a lot, Uh-oh. and after he died, supposedly that, you know, she was let off the leash, and she just Jesus. went crazy.
0: Damn. Yeah, we could definitely do an entire episode on this, Bish, and maybe we'll. We'll write that down. Put that in the notes.
1: Yeah, I think we should, because there's a lot of...
0: There's a lot of detail, I'm sure...
1: There's a lot of detail and then a lot of speculation as Mm. far as, you know, everyone loves a good conspiracy.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, okay, so, after discussing all of that, all of those inspirations, all those women, are interesting explanations for this myth that no one is really sure of its true origin, but... We can kind of understand perhaps some of this visual phenomena that occurs when people actually do the ritual of Bloody Mary. That part can actually be explained. So, for instance, uh, if we focus on a mirror, the origins of Bloody Mary, or at least some of the crazy phenomena that are supposed to happen, are a little easier to track. So, catoptromancy is the practice of divination through mirrors or crystal gazing. And it has its origins in ancient Greece. So this is where Bloody Mary, like the original Victorian version of Bloody Mary, kind of got its, got its start as a divination game. Additionally, it is noted that staring too long at any reflective surface like a mirror or crystal in a dimly lit room could lead one to hallucinate, to have visual distortion, and in layman's terms, your eyes eventually can play tricks on you. So do you wanna explain that a little further?
1: Sure. So our brains can only handle so much information at a time. So right now, you probably aren't noticing the feeling of your clothes against your skin or the pattern of your breath. So essentially, your brain simply turns a blind eye to various stimuli in order to better focus on whatever you deem most important right now. So right now, it's hopefully me talking. Um, our sense of sight works exactly the same way. So when faced with an abundance of visual stimulation, only some of which is considered relevant, our brains will tune out what it deems, you know the non-relevant parts. So this phenomenon is termed the Dro- Troxler effect. Um, it was discovered in 1804 by a physician and philosopher named Ignis Troxler. Very similar to the shallow depth of field produced by a camera when focused tightly on one object, our brains tend to fade out features that we aren't directly staring at and blend them together with the surrounding stimuli. Mm -hmm. So if you choose to stare at a mirror right into your own eyes for a long time, it's possible that other areas of your face are going to start to blend into the mirror. So your face can suddenly start looking pretty creepy when, you know, potentially your forehead starts to fade away or your cheeks morph into one large, huge mouth. Maybe your entire face just becomes distorted and transformed into this horrible monstrosity. So what's even worse is our brains like to fill in things they can't recognize with things they can recognize. So your scary, distorted, unrecognizable face might change into a creature or monster you've seen on TV or a movie at some point. Something that's locked away deep within your memory and... That's terrifying.
0: <laughs> oh Jesus. Yeah, that's almost uh that's for me, I think that's a little creepier yeah. than the little than the than the women that it's that Bloody Mary is based on itself.
1: I was gonna try to do it for the podcast, but my fragile psyche can't handle it.
0: <laughs> no, you don't need that in your life. <laughs> you no. don't need that. <laughs> um so we do have a little bit of a fun fact, I guess you could call it or at least an alternative take on the Bloody Mary legend itself. So it's a it's quite a Freudian approach approach to say the least but it's a it's a different take on it nonetheless so we thought it'd be kind of interesting to throw your way but um folklorist Alan Dundes suggests that the story of Bloody Mary is an an initiation ritual into womanhood. He notes that the Bloody Mary legend revolves around blood suddenly appearing and that the ritual typically takes place in a bathroom with girls who are right on the edge of puberty. The use of a mirror is symbolic in the girl's self-image and fear of approaching physical maturity. Hmm. The story in the ritual serves as an an important purpose of providing young women an outlet for the fear Anxiety they feel related to the body changes during pubescence.
1: Um, <laughs> seems like kind of a stretch.
0: It seems like a stretch indeed. Um, but, you know, it was an interesting and different perspective. And we're here to hear about stories from a multitude of angles. So I didn't want to throw it out. Sure. I
1: mean, it's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah,
0: so we'll just let, we'll just let you guys take it as you will sure yeah it's a, uh, it's definitely a freudian approach to say the least but um going back to the bloody women who do you th- who do you think personally is the most likely candidate for the inspiration behind bloody mary
1: mm. i'm thinking mary tudor
0: yeah mm-hmm. i f- i agree with that
1: i mean she had such a a long and tortured life and she caused so much pain and suffering Mm -hmm. to people during her lifetime. Mm -hmm. I don't know.
0: That can actually be documented. Because, I mean, Mary Worth, like, we don't know if that's true. That is legend and... while the blood countess, yes, certainly, if that is true, the numbers are staggering to the people that she she killed. But you have not only the fact that Queen Mary was given deemed was given the nickname Bloody Mary during her lifetime, but also because that's the name of the legend, and then also another variation says I killed your baby. So for I definitely feel like Queen. Mary is likely biggest inspiration behind Bloody Mary, but who knows? It could just be a hodgepodge of these three women or some other women that maybe we don't even know.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, that's what's fun. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if Bloody Mary's considered necessarily folklore, but yeah. that's what's fun about folklore is a lot of times you don't have, you know, a, a defined origin to yeah. a legend. And it's fun to come up with potential, um, you know, inspiration to these legends.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's fun for your imagination to kind of fill in the gaps for you. And I think that's what makes it ultimately creepy is because you don't really know. Sure. You don't really know. Sure, yeah. But yeah. uh,
1: Or maybe there's just really a demon that lives in your mirror and she wants to rip your eyes out.
0: I really hope that's not the case, because just no. Just no, please. <laughs>
1: um, I, mirrors are creepy enough on their yeah, own. Yeah,
0: for, for real. Especially when I'm looking at them first thing in the morn. It's not my favorite. Oh, it's not <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, that's our first episode. That's Bloody Mary. I like that we got to dive into, you know, the the classic rules and regulations, but we got to also go into the history and some fun, potentially rational explanations behind it. And I hope that you guys enjoyed it too.
1: Thank you guys so much for listening to our pilot episode. I know I had a lot of fun. um, And I think Bethany did too, doing all the research.
0: No, it was Um, miserable.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. But we're looking forward to doing even more. Mm -hmm. Um, And we hope to see you guys in the next episode. We don't see you, but you know what I mean.
0: Well, we hope to feel your presence. Yes. Yeah, no, really, we, we hope that you enjoyed, and thank you so much for listening. But if you did enjoy this podcast and all things creepy, you can find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And if we're not already on your favorite listening forum, let us know. And we'll do our best to make sure that you get access to all the creepy episodes you'd like. You can email us questions, comments, 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 episode suggestions, <laughs> or spooky personal anecdotes at 2 That's 2, spelled out, creepy, BS, podcasts at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram and Facebook under 2creepybees, that's 2 creepy. B apostrophe S. And finally, check out our website at www.2creepybs.com. And remember,
1: keep it creepy.